Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Down the block, Andrew Johnson. Inside for Elba. Elba will score. Elba will score. Newcastle has won. G'day guys, welcome back to the Rugby League Guru Podcast. We will be returning for 2023 on Monday, so stay tuned for that. I think it's the 9th of January, Monday 9th of January. We will be back as per usual with the Rugby League Guru Podcast and the Bloke in a Bar Podcast as well. So plenty of content coming your way. Beers and break-evens only about two weeks away as well, so stay tuned for that. Myself and Timmy Williams getting stuck back in. So I thought I'd have a couple of throwback episodes leading us into Monday. I thought probably our best content this year was the off-season, which I thoroughly enjoyed. And some of our best episodes featured uh, the now Newcastle Knights halfback at this time. He was the West Tigers lock forward, Jackson Hastings. On this episode, we went through the most underrated halves of all time, in our opinion. It's an absolute cracker. I normally edit these out, so we take out all the conversations and stuff we have uh, before uh, we start recording the podcast. I've left it in here, so a little behind the scenes, uh, to just a quick little bit of banter and a bit of a conversation we had before we kicked off the podcast. Enjoy this one, guys. There will be a few more of these throwback episodes coming over the next few days. Yep, we're all good to go. Okay. My beard looking all right? Yep, looking good. Sweet, bro. Looking good. <laughs> it's the second best on the show. You do oh, yeah, yours is way thicker, bro. I can't get thick under my chin. And yeah, if, if you ever need to ask anything or anything, we've both got internet here. So just yeah, tell cool, us. bro. Cool. Good? Good to go. Okay. G'day guys, welcome back to episode four of the off-season. Today we're going to have a look at the most underrated halves of all time. We're going to pick a couple each and take a deep dive into those. I'm joined once again by co-host, Matty the Waterboy. What's doing, mate? What's going on, Guru? It's Cruiser, mate. How are you? I'm going well, mate. Uh, now, normally we're a pretty talented duo as far as rugby league, but we have got a guest today joining us who quite possibly might be the best middle forward on the panel. <laughs> Jackson Hastings, welcome on, mate. How are we? Guru, thanks for having me. I like I liked the intro, mate. I can't wait to put the, the 13 on this year and uh, take some hit up. So uh, You all know I've been a fan of a ball playing 13 for quite some fucking time. There'll be a lot so. of ball playing, no hit up. Trust good me. to have one, finally. Uh, mate, before we do kick off, how's the injury going? How are we feeling? Yeah, good, mate. It's come along really well. Um, 
I haven't ran yet or anything like that, just sort of waiting to go back on the 14th and, and uh, work with the physios at the Tigers. They sort of give me a free reign to enjoy my downtime. Obviously, I've trained uh, non-stop since I broke my leg and um, obviously the off-season's a little bit there to enjoy yourself and I haven't been able to do that. So they gave me a few weeks off to go to America and things like that, which I'm grateful for. And um, I'll start running a couple of weeks after I go back to pre-season, just getting strength in the calf and stuff. But yeah, it's come along good and it'll be sweet for round one. You got your missus out here now too? Yeah, it's good, mate. Um, she's always on my back about about doing things, getting me out of the house and, and things like that too. So it's good to have her. It's, um, you know, she keeps me on my toes, keeps me in check and um, as I said, keeps me busy. So yeah, good to have her. It's not what you said before we started recording, but that's fine. Um, I knew it was now, coming. we're going to go through some of our most underrated halves. Thankfully, we have got one of the best sevens in the competition here to go through them with us. Mate, take us through your very first one. Who was your first pick? A tough little topic, wasn't it? Yeah, it was hard. When you um, when you messaged me, I didn't really know which way to go. I've, I've deleted a few off, but my first one I'm going to go with is um, a Ben Hornby. Ooh. I know I know people say he played fullback, but he, he won the comp in 2010 as a halfback. And I think his partnership with Jamie Sauer was pretty impressive. But being a Wollongong boy and a, and a local junior, um, I feel like Ben Hornby's name doesn't get mentioned enough too. So I don't know if any of you boys had him on the list. I, d- I doubt you would have, but he's he's one that I um, really appreciated. Watch him play with his uh, blue skins, blue Pomeroy's on. So, um, yeah, Benny Hornby's number one for me. I think for me, when I look back at that, you know, when you look at all the premiership winning halves over the last 20 years, yeah. they're probably the one that stands out yeah. as far as neither of them were ever internationals. I'm the same. I, when I think Ben Hornby, I probably don't think straight away halfback. I just think unreal utility Yeah, player. exactly right. Could play anywhere, but fuck that 2010 side. It's crazy how you look at those halves. And as I said, none of them are internationals or whatever, but you think... They were one of the more dominant halves pairings. Yeah, well, I think the Dragons. I think the Dragons became better as soon as he went to seven. Obviously, they had they got Darius to play one, but uh, being in and around the Dragons and, and watching what Benny done was um, pretty remarkable for someone that played fullback and didn't do too much kicking. I feel like his kicking game when he went to seven was just was natural for him. Tough, good defender, good leader, and he won a comp playing halfback, which is um, pretty impressive. Not many people do it, so. That's why I had him at number one. I do think he played for Australia. I think he played a couple of games. I, don't Mate, know. I do take it back. He did play one game. He did, didn't 2006, he? yeah. And he, and he obviously played Origin. But, yeah, as you said, a lot of people know him as a fullback or a utility, but um, won a comp at seven, so he's, he's my number I'll one. I'll put this to both of you, and if you've got the answer, don't say a word. He played uh-huh. 273 games. How many do you reckon he played at halfback? Um, oh, did you just Google it? You did, eh? I did, yeah. I'm going to say... I'm gonna say I'm going to say 53. Oh, you're only 100 off. 162. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was a trick question. Well, I didn't expect it to be that yeah, high well, either. 83 at fullback, 162 at halfback, 18 at 5'8". So that means I'm right. He's a halfback then, true? Yeah. Yeah, yeah you've yeah, nailed Over 50% to halfback. Yeah, I, I, I thought it'd be much uh, much higher at fullback. That's interesting, Matty. Memories of the great Benny Hornby. All I remember, well, I mean, I remember a lot about him, but he was a durable motherfucker. Part yeah. of the furniture at St George. I think he um he was there for what third or oh, eleven, twelve there. I think thirteen I think it was years. Two hundred and what did you say, fifty seven or something like seventy three games. Two hundred seventy three. Yeah, yeah. and like I think all of those years from two thousand two to two thousand twelve, except one, he played over twenty games each year. Yeah. Started his first like major year there. He he was like off the bench, fullback, halfback, five eight. And then obviously finished his career as, as halfback, and uh, now he's he's part of the staff at the Rabbitohs. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, he is. Yeah, Wayne took him there, I think. But he's mm. like I, I get a lot of shit all the time for being slow, which is I, I cop it on the chin because it's true. But when I look at um, some of the great halfbacks, when I was going through the list, 
I wouldn't exactly call Ben Hornby quick by any stretch of the imagination, no. but when he played fullback or halfback, there was never a time that obviously I'd never watched every game, but there was never a time where I thought, oh, he, he's getting run around because he's too slow or he couldn't do anything because he's too slow. I just think he's, his mind was so fast and that's what just done the job for him. You know, he was, as you said, tough, consistent, but just really quick between the ears. It's interesting. He played three games for the New South Wales Blues. He played one in 2004, one in 2006 and one in 2008. All different positions? Well, uh, he started once. What what position do you reckon he started? I'll give you a hint. He started in the game that Sean Timmons kicked the uh, field goal from 40. So he didn't play He didn't play. He didn't play 5-8. Oh. What like do you reckon? F- I don't want to say fullback because what year was that? 2004. Four? So we're talking peak mini. Yeah, right. I'm, I'm just going to say fullback anyway. Yeah, I think it's for, and I think talking off the dome, Matty, you might be able to deal. I'm pretty sure this might have been the game that uh, Minnie and Mark Gaznia missed out on because they are. Uh, yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. and because and Minnie was back the next. Oh, I don't, I'm not 100% sure it was that year, but like it's pretty safe to assume. Did Minnie, Minnie was out? back the next game. Did Minnie miss out because of his back? Nah, it was an off field. It was an off oh, right, field right, type thing. Yeah. All right. Little West Naguama there. Uh, so 2006 and 2008, he also played State of Origin. As you said, oh, I think durable is the best way to describe him. Yeah. Fuck, he was tough as nails. Yeah, the blue Pomeroys were the grouse, bro. Like, <laughs> yeah, he, like I know Benny Pomeroy had the had the skins that everyone talks about, but he had the blue torpedoes, bro. Like, I wore them for West of the Warrior in like the under sevens because of Ben Hornby. <laughs> they were the grouse. Google, uh, bring him up now. You, you know what I'm talking about, <laughs> oh, man. Sweet. He's one of those guys too. Whenever I think of city country, he's always one yeah, of those exactly guys. Right, I yeah. He's one of my first picked in city country every year. It might be Although, one leg too, by the way. I don't think it was both legs. <laughs> Obviously, won that comp. They went to the um, World Club Challenge as well, 2011. They beat Wigan in that game. So that's St George team. Unbelievable. Oh, side. They played Wigan today. Yep, beat them 21 to five in that. Who was one. in that Wigan team? Go through it for you. So for Wigan, jeez. Tompkins at fullback still back then. That was Fuck, prime, he's been around. That was prime yeah. Tompkins too. Uh, Goulding, Gleeson, Georgie Carmont, one yeah. of the greats. I'm sure we'll talk about him over the next few weeks, Matty. Yeah, that's oh, yeah. a good team, man. Amos Roberts, Paul Deacon, uh, Lulawai, Prescott. Oh. We've got Hanson, Ryan Hoffman, Sean O'Loughlin. Mate, that's that's one of the that's one of the real good Wigan teams too. That back line, like George Carmont went over there, was unbelievable. I don't know when Sam won his first Man of Steel. I'm... It would have been around 10, 11, I'm sure it was. Oh, it might have even been before then. He's played for ages. But that was prime Sam Tompkins where, like, if you go back and watch highlights of him play, he would catch it on his own try line and he's running the field once once a week. Sam like Tompkins, would... 2012 and 2021. Yeah, he won it Yeah, he won it a couple of years ago. That which team is... was coached by Madge too. There you go. Proofs in the pudding, the man can coach. One of the greats. <laughs> the man can All right. coach. Anything else on Benny Hornby before we move on to Jackson's second was one? Was it one or two legs? The blue skins, did you figure oh, it out? I saw, yeah, I've, most of the things I'm seeing here is one. See, that's the grouse. Trendsetter. Yeah. Trendsetter. Yeah. Yeah. Like Aaron <laughs> Smith with the one sleeve. Yeah. <laughs> Take us to number two. Me? Yeah. Oh, I don't know who to say. Oh, I've got, uh, yeah, I'll go, um, I'll go Scott Prince. Oh, nice. I had Princey on my list. Yeah, I was thinking too. Yeah. too. Yeah. And the reason I went with Scotty Prince was because, like, I appreciated him because back in the day when I was, quote unquote, faster, he just done everything at such a, Quick, quick pace, had unbelievable skill. Like everyone talks about Benji and, and obviously how skillful Benji is, which is like it's pretty easy to sit back and watch and say that's obvious. But I don't know. Scott Prince was right up there in terms of being able to do stuff on the field that not many could and come back from a couple of serious broken legs and he played in an era where there was obviously Thurston and, and people like that. I, I feel like he would have played a lot more rep footy and um, 
every club he went to, he sort of made a difference as well. And um, he was one bloke, one bloke, sorry, that I used to love sitting back on a Friday night when I was a kid before I played on Saturdays. And if the Titans or the Broncos or whoever was playing that he played for were, were playing, that's a game that I'd chuck on for sure. I think the most incredible thing about Scott Prince is that he played more than 50 games for every Queensland club. Cowboys, wow. oh, he did Brisbane play for the Cowboys, didn't he? Yeah, right. Everyone forgets he played for the Cowboys early. He played 53 games for North Queensland across about three seasons. And you think about all the broken legs and stuff yeah. he had. Like, I, I remember at the start of his career, it was like, is he durable enough to play first grade? Because he was small too, wasn't he? Yeah, he was very small. I remember he scored the Cowboys try and then he Oh, did the, yes, I do yeah. remember. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, I think when I think about Princey too, though, is that, and you mentioned it, I think everyone looks at 2005 as Benji Marshall's premiership. Yeah. <laughs> Mate, for me, it's Scott Prince's. I've got to say it was Benji's because I want to get picked every week this year. So. <laughs> <laughs> Smart footy, that's it was, good. It was all Benji. But in all seriousness, I, I agree with what you're saying. Like, Benji's got the moment that sort of changed the landscape of the Tigers forever in terms of um, the premiership in the moment with Paddy Richards. But Scotty Prince's input that whole year, I remember Sheensy talking about it at our presentation night. Scotty Prince got inducted into the Hall of Fame and the highlight reel come on and I was just sitting there and just like as a footy lover, just watching like the one hand show and the flick pass and the crossfield kicks, like they were both doing it. So it's amazing what, like, what they were able to do together as well because they were both slight. Both got injured a lot early in their career and both carved out these phenomenal, phenomenal careers. So. And, got, be... and got the medal to prove it. Exactly, yeah. yeah. He got and the Clive. I, and he also, like, I think people forget, halfway through the season, he wasn't the captain. Yeah. Sheenzy made the, made the decision men's mid-season. I, I, was it Marco Nearly took it off, I think? I think he I think he got injured or something. They went with Princey, then he returned, and they went, you know what? Yeah. I'm going to stay with Scott. And I, I thought he was Yeah, tremendous. they went Marco Neal up until round nine and then round ten from onwards with Scott Prince. Ooh. He called a make. Yeah, right. Yeah, I, I see. I didn't know that. I thought. I thought Scotty was always captain, but obviously, the internet doesn't lie, does it? So, <laughs> yeah. No, I, I remember it was a big deal when it happened. Even though, like at that point, obviously the O five Tigers weren't yeah. the O five Tigers, yeah. so it didn't. But I, I remember thinking, "Fuck, that's a that's a rough call to take the captaincy off someone." But I can't really remember. Did they always play that sort of sideline to sideline, sling it, double drops, Toddy Payton playing? Like, did they always play that way, or was there a point in two thousand and five for that to change? I've never really. Sheensy can talk footy, but I've never sat down with him long enough to to talk about that. And obviously, I wasn't that old, so I can't really remember the mm. style of play. But I just remember they had small, robust forwards that would come back against the grain and offload and stuff. And they had two halves, and obviously Hodjo and Robbie that could just wave the ball around like a wand. So I might actually go back and watch that because I don't know if they played from sideline to sideline. Because they didn't start the year well, did they? They weren't going very well, I don't think. They lost four in a row from round six to round nine. And then, as coincidence says, once Scott Prince becomes captain, they go win-win, loss-loss, win-loss, win-win, 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 loss-loss, and then every win to the I mean, grand they had final. a fair spine. Like, we just named the four then. Yeah. But, but they were all young then. Yeah. They were all very fucking young. Like, I reckon, how old was Robbie Farah? He would have been 21, 20, 20 maybe. Was he 20? Did he? he had hair then, Robbie, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> I better be careful because he, he'll rip me out of the squad as well. But yeah, they were all so young at that point in their career. It's uh, it's crazy when you look back on that premiership. And, and Matty, have you got their draw up from that season? Uh, yeah. I believe at the start, there's a two-week period where they beat Canterbury and the Roosters, isn't there? Out of the fucking uh, blue. And, and they were the grand finalists from the year before. And That's when the Roosters just played in three grand finals in a row, wasn't it? Yeah, and you think back to Canterbury and the Roosters then, the two biggest fucking yeah, power forward packs of all time. Yeah. There's a story that Matty Johns tells where he talks that he went to a training session in 2004 and he was standing there with Sheensy just going, 
what are they doing? I've never seen this before. And Sheenzy just sort of said, just it's going to be a long process, but we'll get there. And then 05 seemingly, Penny just drops. There's one, one guy you mentioned there was Todd Payton. Yeah. So he was at the Roosters 2004. Yeah. yeah destined yeah. for England. Tim yeah. Sheens went, nah, nah, I can do something with him. Yeah. One of the great ball playing oh. forwards. He reminds me a bit of myself, Toddy. One of them, <laughs> one of them really good ball playing props. <laughs> what do you got for us? So mate? round one, uh, they lost to Para, then they had the bye, then round three beat the doggies by one, 37-36. Princey field goal. Yeah, and then beat the Roosters What's next that? week. Yeah, yeah. Scotty Prince is the grouse, bro. Mm. And he still plays touch footy now. Like if you go mm. on his Instagram, I, I don't know if it's his Instagram or Queensland Touch, like he's still got it, man. He's big is he big in TRL? I think he plays a lot of TRL as well. Yeah. Yeah. Imagine fucking showing up after work to touch and you got to deal with Scott Prince. And he's still like a grouse sort as well. Oh, yeah. He always has been, yeah. Jeez, I'd hate to play touch against him. I've got to say, Scott Prince, like, that 2005 Tigers team, young all together, like, just a bunch of throbbers. I know 06 wasn't their best year, but it was a big deal for Scotty Prince to move to the Titans so quickly after they won that comp and then to be the face of the Titans and then... You know, the Titans had a bit of early success, not the first, the, the next couple of years. I think he won Dallium Halfback of the year in 2010 when they made the prelim. So that was a big, ballsy move by Scott Prince to do that. What year did they go in? Six, the Titans? Seven was their first year. Seven. And he, yeah, so he, he won the comp in 05, 06, played for the Tigers again. They had a pretty shit year, but t- 2007 went to well, the, the expansion thing's interesting because you get, like, obviously, Munster just signed at Melbourne, but people must look at that and, and go, what an opportunity and the money and being the face of something. But then there's such a big risk as well. So for him to actually do it, mm. and if you look at their history, like there's no doubt he's a top three, five player at the Titans. I know they haven't been around for a long time, yeah, but like sure. they signed him and Luke Bailey straight off the bat and those two would still be like right up there with players that they've had. Yeah. In my opinion. Yeah, anyway. 100 bucks, Whilst we're dribbling 100%. on this topic... Best Gold Coast Titans player ever. I would go with Princey. Yeah. Who would you go with? Yeah, uh, yeah, I'd go with Scotty Prince, but it'd be hard to argue against... I feel like you're setting me up for... for no, a no, I'm, I, I think a lot of people would say Preston, Preston Campbell. Who would you oh, say? Sorry, yes. Yeah, I was going to say Preston Campbell. Yeah, yeah I'd, I'd go say Scotty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I'd, my top three, and I don't know if it's because they're OGs and like they haven't been around that long, but I'd go Scotty, Preston, and Luke Bailey. Luke Bailey's in the Laura boy too, so you got to... Show love, you know. The old bull. Yeah. you got to show love, man. Yeah, I, I think, like, I think people forget the Titans. Like, 2010, they fell one game short of a premiership. They were, like, of a grand final. They got beat by the Roosters, did they? They got beat by the Chooks. At Seabus, yeah. too, yeah. Yeah. So they were, that, that, that team was, I, I think that they were top four two years in a row. I think 09 and 010. Um, and then, of course, Princey went back to the Brisbane Broncos back end of his season. Wasn't his absolute greatest footy, obviously. Yeah. Uh, but he, he was getting on there. But Princey, champion player. Anything, Matty? Nah, all good, all, all good, good for me. Yeah. All right, your top two, your all right. Number two. I'm still not 100 percent sure because I've got four names here, but I'll but I'll go. Were any of them his? No, no, no. Yeah, I didn't have I didn't have those two. Come on, Matty, far away. First one I've got uh, is middle of the 2000s when I started watching rugby league. Brett Seymour. Oh, bro, what a pick! Yeah. So he started he started with Brisbane, like killed it as a junior. Um, left someone off. Yeah, we can come back. Um, and was just was was pretty good for the Broncos, but I think he copped a lot of injuries in those in those few years. I think he he got um, he got punted from there. His most underrated era, I think, was for me anyway, was when he was at the Sharks. So he moved to the Sharks in I think it was two thousand six, and then 
or 2007 maybe. And there was like a three-way cycle of the 5'8 halfback and, you know, the player that got left out. So they had Adam Dykes, yep. Brett Morley, and um, Brett Seymour. And they were like floating around all year. And But in that year, whenever he played, like I still remember watching it. Like there was a game against Para where he – where he won the game with a field goal and golden point. Like he, he was, he like, was so good that year in like the half a season he played, but then he's like the big year was 2008, which was when the sharks, they came third, but they actually came first, like on points. Like it was all, they were all on equal yeah, wins, right. but they came third and then they won the semi and they were in the prelim against Melbourne. And then I think he did his knee or something, not in the game before. I think he did it at training in the, in the lead up or he did it at home or something like, which is just so unlucky for Sharks fans. And as soon as that happens, uh, they were completely fucked and got pumped by uh, Melbourne because he was one of their best players that year. Um, after that, it, it kind of fizzled away a little bit, but that 07-08 kind of period was um, his most underrated. Also, my uh, I don't really remember him at Brisbane as much as I should because I was pretty young around then. But what I do remember, when I was playing rugby league on the PlayStation, in like 2002, 2003. I froth these memories. Yeah. yeah. The Broncos, like, because I was like a kid, I didn't I didn't know for the first like week or two how to like change the teams. So I always played with the Broncos because I was first and like Brett Seymour was their kicker, like yeah. to kick off. So that's, that was like, he was one of my, my most earliest memories of players because he would always kick off when I'm playing rugby league live. So that was my, that was my memory of Brett Seymour playing for the Bronx. But yeah, as I said, the Sharks, uh, those couple of years at the Sharks, he was fantastic. Did he play with Michael Witt at the Warriors? Yeah, uh, did he those did two play, play together. Warriors. Let me have a look for you. Surely he made someone's list, didn't he? Michael Witt. Michael Witt. He was. Oh, I won't give it away. <laughs> but you, you just reminded me. I reckon I, I, I've got a feeling that you've got the person I just wrote down. But um, did he? Yeah, I don't know. Did he play with Michael Witt at the Warriors? Because I remember yeah. he had so many halves partners. Michael Witt when he went there. Because Ohio used to play hooker, fullback, 5'8", halfback. Nah, so Michael Witt was at the Warriors in 7 and 8. 7 and 8. So who did he partner with? So I'll give you so randomly. I've got Grant Ravelli. He was oh, one. Oh, yeah, Grant Ravelli, yeah. Uh, he was good too. Yeah, he was good, man. Another one was Jerome Rapati. Yeah, center 5'8". I'm just clicking. I'm just clicking on random games. Yeah, because the Warriors went through a period where yeah. before they signed James Maloney, they had just a... Everyone just rotated Rotating. pretty much, didn't they? Yep. Mm. Like center five eight, and then they just have a one constant at halfback, kind of like when Stacey was there. Is the guy you're talking about? Does he happen to have the same initials as Brett Seymour? Yeah, bro. Yeah, good. <laughs> yeah, we're on the same wavelength. Yeah. I can't believe. <laughs> I can't believe no one said it. But anyway, I don't know. He's actually now my number one. Yeah, right. I yeah. thought he would be. I, I, was, did, I, I have, thought you'd pick him for sure. I didn't have a list, but he's number one. I can't believe I didn't write him down. I was just going to say on Brett Seymour, crazy when you look at like sliding doors moments. He plays his last year for the Warriors in 2011, right? Um, he plays round 7 to 11. He wins five games on the trot, right? Round 13, this new kid makes his debut, uh, yeah. Sean Johnson. <laughs> and that essentially closes the door on Brett Seymour. SJ goes on that incredible run. They go all the way to the grand final. One of those ones, it's similar to like uh, how Michael Ennis was at the Broncos in yeah. 06. He got injured, Sean Berrigan comes in, no one fucking remembers. Crazy how it plays out sometimes. Uh, hopefully when you play this, Sean Johnson's first try in first grade, I think it was that game. Yeah, who, I remember Who did he debut against again? Was it, was, was it the Brisbane try? Oh, no, no, no. Oh, was it the Tigers? Tigers, debut? Tigers yeah. Tigers with that mad... They had like the flag on their jersey, the Warriors, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Is it the goot? He gets on the outside and takes fullback on, scores left corner, pretty sure. 
Let me have a look. You're right, it is the West Tigers. It's not an, I don't know if it's the intercept trial, the one where he gets a wide four goose step straight through and then takes the fullback on, scores in the left corner. Sure he does. Now, we, we did a podcast the other day talking about the best jerseys. We forgot about That's that That's up one. there, man. That was a cracker. Oh, yeah. I reckon team like in, if we're going to put teams in order of who do the best jerseys year by year, Warriors are one. Warriors are number one. They, they, they're number they're one? the best or the worst. Yeah. <laughs> <They're> <laughs> but when they're the best. When they're, they're the best, they the are the best. I yeah. think some of the jerseys they've done over the years, I remember I've played against them a few times, obviously, and like sometimes when they run out in like a traditional kit, like the, the jersey they wore this year uh, representing the premiership year, I think it was, when yeah. – Oh, wait, when they played the Roosters, yeah, sorry, the at the SCG, final, yeah, yeah. and they both wore the grand final jerseys from, what year was that? 02. 02, that's it. Um, those jerseys were so sexy, man. I, I, haven't liked, were. I haven't liked when the Warriors played at Eden Park for the first time a few years ago. They just wore the black, like full black, yeah. and it kind of looked like the all blacks. Like it was yeah. like the opposite of a like, hectic design, but I love that one as well. Do you remember the night they had the, oh, I'm going to say 2008, nine? they had the blackout night? Oh yeah, mm. fucking Ruben Wiki. No, yeah, Ruben Wiki returned it and um, CS Oliola. Oh my god! Yeah, I almost got put in a body bag. The poor bastard. Yeah, but I've seen Sia do that to so many people after that because <laughs> obviously he went over to Super League and then when he come back for the Raiders, oh, what a machine! He man. returned as a monster. Yeah, right? so so big man. He went to your school, didn't he? He went to Marcelin, I think. Yeah, Soliola did. Yeah, uh, was that yeah. try right? Uh, I haven't. I could. I couldn't find it. It is his first try. That's his, fir- the his Tigers, first try was so, against the Tigers. Yeah. yeah. I hope I'm right. I back here. Yeah. I hope I'm right. Because he scores, he obviously scores so many long ranges, but I'm, I remember that one so clearly because I watched Sean play all the way through the under 20s because I was SG ball year, I think, or maybe Harold Matt's back end. And he used to wear the headgear and he oh, played yeah. in those dominant Warriors sides. And then the Cowboys sides had Jason Tamalolo and stuff like that. And they were the two teams. So obviously, Comrade Hurrell, Sean Johnson, people like that were in there. And then when Sean made his first grade debut, uh, he take, uh, and they had the fullback was um, oh it's gonna annoy me now who who was uh, for the Warriors yeah had the tattoos uh, Kevin Locke no nah, Kevin Locke uh-huh. wasn't fullback was he or was he that game he's like are you talking about in that game it was yeah. Kevin Locke in that one um so yeah who else you could be talking about oh, Locke Inu nah, it'll, Brown, come, Mannering, it'll come to me it'll come to me come to you. you see by the way on that the Warriors have got a now got a team in the, the SG ball. Yeah, that's awesome. That's so good, man. My, my, my little brother's playing the SG ball for the Chooks. Oh, really? And we're having a look at the team list yesterday, just going, holy fuck. Yeah. <laughs> You're in some curry. It's going to yeah. be a sore, sore day for that, him. That, that's so good, though, for in terms of growing the game yeah. over there. If, they, if we're not going to ever get another team over there, and especially like with so many, like, there's so many talented kids that just sort of get lost in the pathways over there with rugby union and stuff yeah. like that, it'd be so good to see him come through and hopefully, obviously, stay in New Zealand and play for the Warriors as well. And, and build that club up to be what it deserves. That's the exact thing. If you're a young kid in New Zealand with the All Blacks after you, or you know, there's potential for you to play yeah. SG Ball, go to Australia, and you also get the opportunity for all the scouts to exactly see you right. as yep. well. So it's a big in. Yeah. Um, I did not see Brett Seymour coming. I love it now that I've heard yeah, it, so but good. I did not see Brett Seymour coming. Anything else to add, Matty? No, but my next one flows straight off Brett Seymour. So as I said, when Brett Seymour missed that prelim, the person that would have gone in in the halves was Greg Bird, but he was suspended. So they had to put in someone else. And that person was Blake Green. Now, Blake Green is my next pick. That's that start period of his career, like he was kind of like he went to Para, he was at the Sharks, I think he was at the, the Dogs maybe for a year. And he kind of just like floated around. But then he went to Super League. Mm-hmm. And that and for Wigan, that's when he started just killing. I think he won a grand final, won a challenge cup. 
Yeah, you got man of the match in the in the grand final. Yeah, might might have played in the grand final and lost as well. Like just he was only yeah. there for a couple of years and just and just killed it. Yeah, he. So like I um obviously being a lot younger than Greeny, I got to play with him at Manly for a little bit. Yeah, um, before all the stuff sort of happened, and he um oh this is I want to say this in the most least disrespectful way to who was coaching purely because people will take it out of context. Yeah, but he ran our attack. Like yeah. he's that smart and that gifted at being able to get a message and across to to people and being able to take someone under the under the wing and stuff like that. Like he obviously Baz was the head coach and he'd go to Greeny and Ches and, and they would run what we would do. But Greeny was that gifted at actually being able to speak to people and get the message across that as I said, like with all the respect to Baz, because I'm not trying to be a smart ass, yeah. he he was that good at it. He eventually just ran our attack. As the year that we got beat by Penrith in the semi when uh, it was a very chirpy game, if you can remember it, um, Allianz, before they knocked it down. You would have hated that. Yeah. <laughs> we had a few boys in the Manly side that were, were pretty good. Yeah. Um, if you went for the team and had a look at that team, I think you'd you'd picture a few. I wasn't actually in the team. I was like on the – I was only for 90th man or something like that. But Greeny's oh, Super yeah. League career was unbelievable. He went to Hull KR first, Greeny. Uh, he, didn't go straight, he didn't go straight to Wigan. And he played with Michael Dobson at Hull KR who – Killed it. Another underrated one. Killed it. Yeah, he didn't give an, get, get enough shots in the NRL. Yeah, no, nah, he killed it, mate. Like, he was he was really, really good. But, like, when I was at Wigan, they when they talk about overseas signings, they talk about Trent Barrett, they talk about George Carmont, who we just mentioned. They talk about, obviously, Thomas Lulawa, who's an adopted Englishman deep down because he's been in Wigan for so long. But Blake Green, if you ask most, like, diehard Wigan fans, they'd probably say that him or Trent are the probably the two best halves I've ever had. Which is a pretty big yeah, call right. considering how many good halves have played for Wigan. But he was the he was the first guy to sort of go over to England early and make something of him well, a lot of himself and come back and obviously mm. play for the Storm and then Manly and then the Warriors, Warriors Knights, yeah. whatever. But he's someone when I went over, I looked at I actually done my research on what he had done. My management like told me like, Well, look at Blake Green, look what he's doing now, blah, blah, blah. Looked at it and then now um, when there's certain players that I won't mention purely because, like, out of respect to them, that are going over to Super League now that actually reach out to me and ask how I went about it and, and what I did to be able to not be successful, but there's so many distractions. You don't get as much media. You get a lot of downtime. You can go to another country in literally an hour, if that. So there's a lot of distractions to take away from the actual football aspect of, uh, or aspect of your life. So Greeny nailed it and I followed his footsteps and then... Now there's people, obviously Brodie Croft just won a, a Man of Steel as well and Jay Field's killing it over there, Bevan French, people like that too. So the more people that go over early that aren't getting a shot here, the better their career is going to be, especially coming back, I reckon. And you don't necessarily have to come back. I know NRL, we look at NRL as a pinnacle and, and it definitely is and I'm so glad that I'm back here, but um, there's no harm in playing 400 Super League games either. Like There's some players that never come over, Sean O'Loughlin's one that you just mentioned, that... Could have been as good as Sam, I reckon. Sam Burgess, that is. Like, he's he was that good, Sean O'Loughlin. So, yeah. Can I ask you, you mentioned there, and I understand why you said what you said about getting it, because people will hear you say that about Blake Green running the attack and think, yeah. how dare he say that about Trent Barrett. It's not the reality of what you're saying. No, yeah. Do you think halfbacks should have more say in general on attack, though? It depends how close they are with the coach and how mm. much faith the coach actually has in the halfback. I think... I've been in situations where people probably haven't trusted me as much. So obviously, And it depends on your age as well. Mm. Like there are times where you get a 19, 20, 21-year-old 20, kid that's telling 
30, 31-year-olds that have played 20 tests for their country or 20 origins what to do. And sometimes you've got to go through that period of actually earning the respect of not only the coach but the playing group. Sometimes you get one, not the other, vice versa. And sometimes you get none, which, you know, I've gone through through both sides of it. So, I mean, in terms of older halfbacks that have been there and done it, I'm sure people like Cooper Cronk, for example, he's, a, he's an easy one to point mm. out. Jonathan Thurston, I'm sure Darren Lockyer had the trust of Wayne and people like that that would probably get a heavy say in... In what the uh, in what the attack is, and I know at the Tigers last year, I know people laugh and say well, you come last, but Madge put a lot of faith into what people like Adam and Brooksy and myself thought, and, and gave us a lot of respect in the regards of all right, how do you want to attack, what suits you, and things like that. So I'm sure clubs are doing it, but the top echelon halves like Thurston and Cronk and, and Lockyer and Johns and Fitler and all the all the big names would definitely have a massive say in. How they attack for sure. We have on the Monday show one of the other co-hosts is um, Tim Williams, whose brother is Sam Williams. Yeah, right. Canberra yeah, Raiders yeah. and just being a rugby league nerd like I am, whenever I watch Sam Williams, even in reserve grade, just how structured his team is. He needs to are. be a coach, man. He oh, needs bro, to be a 100%. coach. And he's not the fastest. He's not. The, yeah, he doesn't have a good step. Good like he's yeah. just he's he's like with all due respect to Sam, he's incredibly average at everything. But between the years, so fast, so hard to match. Yeah. So hard to match. And I just think, fuck, there's so many NRL teams that instead of having a 25-year-old who's got a highlight, if you put Sam Williams in there, yeah. fuck, you'd be so much more successful. Or even, like, he's like he's another one that uh, went to England, killed it, come back, but he just was so happy to play reserve grade. Mm-hmm. And then when he got called upon, he'll just go in there and win games. You're not losing anything when he steps in. Um, but he needs to be a coach or he needs to be an attack coach. He needs to be involved in rugby league. I hope he doesn't get lost because... Like I used to actually get enjoyment out of watching him play because, as you said, he's not overly quick, and I'm not going to disrespect him by saying he's not good at anything because he he was great at so many things: great passing game, kicking game, vision. But he would be great for a young kid that had all the flair in the world but didn't have that, you know, game management or yep. kicking game where he could go, well, mate, you can step and flick and do all this, but if you can't kick into this box, ten out of ten times, and you can't lead the chase or you can't set up your back rower, then you're not going to have a very long career. So. I don't know what he does, obviously, but I hope I hope he's still, still doing something. I think he's captain league. coaching Queen Bean next year, so not lost to the game. But I can't believe there wasn't an NRL system that he'll fall back in somewhere. They always find to. their way back yeah, in for sure. But yeah, he's a cracking example. Another guy we could throw into this underrated chat. Now I'm going to be completely honest with you. We've been completely sidetracked. I forgot who we started off. Who, who are we talking about? Oh, Blake, no. Blake Green. Blake, Blake Green. Green. That's Green. right. Yeah. Uh, by the way, Blake Green, one of the kit kings of all time. Seven NRL clubs. That's outstanding. I would love to go through his How wardrobe. That, but. Yeah, and he, and he used to. Um, quick story before we move on. He used to bring his young fella Boston to training. He will be an NRL player one day, a million percent. Like he was getting in the ice, but I can't. I can't. Remember how old he was, but he'd bring his lunchbox to training. He'd be drinking water with the boys. He'd, he'd be eating lunch with us. He'd be getting in the ice baths. He'd be kicking the ball around. So, Boston Green. Boston Green. Remember the name. Keep the, keep the eyes Cracking out. Name, for it. Yeah, grouse yeah. name. It's a winning name. It's a grouse name. He played 181 first grade games. Can you name the seven clubs? You said Para Bulldogs. Is that who you said at the start? Yeah. Melbourne, uh, Manly, Warriors, Knights. And I'm just going to go out on a because uh, he was Western Sydney. A. I'm going to say Penrith or Sharks. Sharks. Oh, I knew it when you said, "Oh, he was Western, Western Sydney. Sydney." I thought, "Oh, he's fucked." Here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> where did Sharks come from? Because well, I, well, I, um, you know where Sharks come from. It just come to me like this is how weirdly obsessed I'm with footy. I saw a, uh, 
I randomly saw a photo. I don't know. It must have been on Instagram not long ago of him actually in a Sharks kit. So yeah, right. Sort of come to me, but I, I only said Penrith to because of the Western Sydney thing. But right. Okay. I had the Sharks in the back pocket, so I got you as one now. Fuck! I thought you were long odds. There. I thought you were gone. Which club do you reckon he played the most games for? Um, there's just two clubs he played more than fifty games. Yeah, for. Melbourne or Manly? Ah, uh, no, it wouldn't be Manly. I'm going to say Melbourne or the Warriors. Yeah. 55 for the Warriors, 50 for the Melbourne Storm. Was he the spine of the Warriors with Isaac Luke, Sean and Roger? Was that their spine? I believe so. I Surely Isaac didn't play with Roger, did he? No, wait, who was the other hooker? Uh, no, could, yeah, yeah, he did. So it was Roger, yeah. Roger Green, Johnson, Isaac Luke in round one of 2018. Wow. Yeah, I, I, thought, realized, yeah, wow, I thought so, okay. yeah. Like that's up there with... Oh, all, all peak, all in your peak spines ever, and I know they didn't probably go as well as what they would have liked, obviously. But no. you put all four of them in, like like Isaac Luke at Souths when they won the comp. Yep. Sean before he broke his ankle and snapped his Achilles, which is obviously going to like slow a lot of people down. And just Roger whenever with Greeny Smart, that spine is man. I tell you what, in that pack, in that starting pack, they have Adam Blair, Isaiah Papali'i, and Two Harris as well. Got to apologise. I thought you said Isaac John first. <laughs> That's oh. what I was freaking out about. <laughs> I apologise for that. Ball playing lock. Yeah. <laughs> They've been around for years before you say that. All right, Maddie. Any, anything else to add on nah, uh, the nah, kick nah. king? Mate, what can I possibly add uh, after Jackson spiel then? I'm playing yeah, him in Sorry, he, he texted me and said, can you, can you go for me? <laughs> <laughs> love, love that. Now, Brett Seymour was one of yours. Yeah. We're both thinking the same yeah. guy with the go same on, initials. So. Have you worked out who it I've is I've got yet? no idea. I feel like I'm going to kick myself. bro. He's been on Google the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I've been distracted. I'm sure the vast majority of you at home will get it. And I, Matt, Matty, can you keep the camera on yourself for when I say it? Because okay. I think you're going to fall off your chair that you okay. can get it. Brent Sherwin, shifty. Oh, fuck. Yeah, that's what, I, that's what I wanted to say. I didn't know what I swear, so. Brent yeah. Sherwin. Um, similar to Scotty Prince, these sort of guys came along in an era of just unbelievable yeah. halfbacks uh some of these guys that come along and they're forced to play against some of the best of all time shifty incredibly unlucky um didn't play any rep games played for city on a couple of times another guy when i think of a city jersey uh he comes to mind pretty quickly yep. uh never played state of origin of course 2004 though uh, that grand final he was sensational in it willie mason he got the clive that night but i'll tell you what i thought shifty was very close to it Especially who he was playing against, like mm. playing against some of the best players of all time. Of all time. And yeah. like obviously the story goes, JT left because he couldn't get a crack because of how good Brent Sherwin was. Which people now say, oh, that's the dumbest decision ever. Nah, it wasn't. He nah. was a gun shifty. I, I actually can't – I'm actually filthy I didn't have him on my list because when I – I remember, again, I was only young, but he's one of the guys that on the Friday night or the Saturday night you'd go out and hang – You'd do something. You'd ride the bike in the street with your mates. But when 7.30 come on and the Bulldogs were playing, if Brent mm. Sherman was playing, you'd sit down and watch it because like, he just taught you so much as a halfback, as a kid, because he just could play structure well. But like he's called Shifty for a reason. Obviously, the off-the-cuff off the stuff, man, what a player, bro. Oh, it, I would argue he had the best short-kicking game of all time. Yeah, you, yeah. I mean, I, I reckon he had more tricks in his bag than 90% of people that have played NRL. And that's a massive call considering how many gifted players have played. But, like, they don't just hand out nicknames. And he yeah. had one of the best as well. Like, oh, 
considering how many good halfbacks the Bulldogs have had that have played Origin and won comps, like he would have to be in the discussion for most naturally gifted with the football in his hands. Yeah. Like if you go through all like the Mortimers and, and all the rest of them, like in terms of having the football in your hands and, and waving it around and being able to use people like Sonny, Willie Tonga, Renny Matua, Willie Mason, Marco Mealy, like people like this, Matt Utai. Like I know he had great players around him, but he was making great players look even better. And like all those players played rep footy and Brett didn't. So, I mean, that's not a knock on him. That just goes to show that the, oh, he had – was Brave 5'8"? Yep. yep. That's when Brave was unbelievable as well. First burst on the scene, did he? Was that, he was just starting – Very early, right? yeah. And people forget how good Brave was as a kid. Yeah, he I know. Was. Yeah, they get into Brave about the Fox stuff and how it all ended for him. But, like, Brave was a freak. Like, he was the start of that real big fo- running 5'8", wasn't he? Like, yep. him and Freddie were the – I know people will say don't compare him, but they were – they were similar in terms of stature and, and how they took the, the game by the scruff of the neck. Trent Barrett, another one. Like those three, those three all reminded me of each other and people will put them in the pecking order however they want. But in terms of being like a big body 5'8", with good right or left foot that took the line on, could kick, played a lot of rep footy. Um, yeah, those three I used to watch closely as well. And they're two guys, just while we're on it, Trent Barrett, uh, Trent Barrett, Brayton Astor, who they quite often got the overrated label yeah. back into their careers I think it was because they were always compared to Freddie Ann because they set such a high standard when they came yeah, in yeah exactly Braith like, like, like Braith he, he debuted he played in the he was playing for the Kangaroos by like 03 or 04 yeah. or something he was incredible but just just on Brent Sherman again he's one of those guys that if he broke the first tackle and the defensive line was in a little bit of disarray yeah, oh yeah. it was fucking over yeah. you were done or if the ball bounced and everyone froze for a second Shifty, uh, like I, I had him on the podcast about two years ago, and what just yeah, mate, one of the best chats. Yeah, I, I need to watch it. it. I need just to watch a it. real a halfbacks halfback. Yeah, you know, like yeah. so, so, what we're saying before, not the fastest, not the quickest. All this. So sort what's of he stuff. doing now? Did you say? Um, I can't remember what he was doing two years ago. At that point, he was going back to help Canterbury out. He ah, hasn't been right. there since. Okay. So I'm not sure where all of that is at. Right. Uh, but just I, I always just remember his kicking game just being unbelievable. There was a game. You know, obviously he played in the early 2000s. They had that, that rivalry with the Roosters. Yeah. That, of course, 0-2, the Chooks win the comp. Canterbury lost all their points. 0-3, they play in that prelim final that essentially lost the Roosters the grand final. Then 0-4, they play in that grand final. But there was a game in 0-3 where they played each other in the regular season. And I think it was 22-all, and Braithen Astor's waiting there for the field goal. Yeah. Sherwin shows it to him, goes down the short side, and you see Braith, he almost has a fucking fit in the background. <laughs> and then he finds Matty Utah in the corner, he slams it down. You remember, you'd remember off that fucking uh, rugby league game, that rugby league one, mm. where there's the footage of Matt Utah celebrating oh, that yeah. try. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's that moment. It's, it was an unreal game. It was at the SFS, it was an absolute cracker. Uh, yeah, Shifty just came along at the wrong time, surrounded by the wrong halfbacks. Tough gig. What do you remember, Matty? Jackie, you talk about being a kid back then and like doing whatever you do in the day and then going home at 7.30 to watch Brent Sherwin. You're so right. That Roosters team and that Bulldogs team, obviously, yeah. that he was part of, and then the Roosters team were just back then growing up an absolute delight to watch. Like, you're right. That that 2002, 2004 Bulldogs, I know they were cheating the cap, but like ignore that. Let's <laughs> forget that. Let's forget about that. <laughs> they, they were like... You talk about rugby league live. The team you play in rugby league live as a kid, the team you want to watch on a Friday night yeah. as a kid, like they, they were one of the best two teams of all time, and it was such a great era. I always say, like for me personally, I obviously didn't get to watch the eighties and nineties and 
whatever. But that was the most purest form of rugby league that I can remember yep. watching or, or loving or being around. Like we talk about now how the game's gone away from block uh, block plays and set plays, and Joey talks about it all the time. And I think Joey forgets that not everyone's as good as Joey <laughs> in terms of being able to do things that no one else can do. But he's he's definitely right in the sense of people like Brent Sherwin when. He get a quick ruck. You'd see a lot of halfbacks, especially my age, that were coming through. We always got taught to obviously set up the person around us. But now the game's sort of going back to where you're seeing. Um, I know you uh, posted something about Isaiah Katoa the other day, mm. the young fella from Pembroke that's going to the mm, Dolphins. Dolphins. He's so good at catching the ball off a quick ruck and just going forward and playing what ABC's doing. He's not worried about his back row pushing up. He just takes the game on and. Brent Sherwin and, and Brayfin Astor in that time, as well as obviously Freddie, whenever there was a quick play of the ball, it'd just be over the ad line, left foot, right foot, people getting flat and fast, pushing holes, long balls, chip kicks for the winger. Whereas when I was coming through, people tried to coach that out of you. It got all like block plays, past six o'clock, turn the ball down. Like for me, watching kids play now, it doesn't matter how the ball spins, just get the ball from A to B as quick as possible or if it's a short pass, just make sure it's soft and easy to catch. If it's a long pass, just get it there. Just whip it. Like there's, We make the game so much harder than what it needs to be. Like Everyone's so worried about how it looks. Just do the fundamentals good. And then if you need to throw the ball 15 metres, don't worry about your want. Just get the ball there. That's what I'd say. If I was coaching kids now, I'd go back and I'd watch Brent Sherwin play. I'd go back and watch Scott Prince play because that was the purest form of watching rugby league was for me anyway. And they sort of like, ins- I reckon they've inspired kids. Like you watch Sam Walker play now, right? Say what you want about Sam's defence and it's improved out of sight. Oh, we've got to give him a rap. But say what you want about that side of the ball. But in terms of playing pure rugby league, you can tell that he's got brought up just like, righto, mate, the, the overlap's out there. Don't give it to the back roll because he probably can't pass. So you just throw it above his head, above the centre's head and just hit the winger. Just keep doing it and just keep doing it. And I mean, to his credit, no one in the NRL can stop it when he gets it right now. So... I think that's really coming back into the game. And I know everyone talks about quick halfbacks and obviously they're good at exploiting the rucks and stuff, but you still need to be like what you said, quick between the ears and know what you're doing first and foremost. I think it's something that I've really noticed in Nath Cleary's game improve over the last few years. And I, this is another thing Sherwin was the king of, his tempo with his running. Oh, yeah. How he'd slow it. And if you go back and you watch that, that try in the 2004 grand final where he shows it under the sunny, I think, and then he gives it to Hazem. Decent decoy, Sonny, you reckon? Not bad. <laughs> but you see, when, 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 when Shifty slows up, he holds Brad Fittler up yeah. for just a second too long, and it just creates that that try for Hazamel Masri. Uh, yeah, cracking player, Shell. And the other thing I loved about him, and um, you do it as well, and I'd, I, I'd say it whether you were sitting here or not, and I'll, I'll hand over to you too. Shifty, if he saw something, he'd shove the dummy half out of the way, get the ball first of all. Uh, you do it. Sam Walker did it uh, at the back end of last season a little bit too. I love when halves just go, get the fuck out of the way. I need the ball now. See, I, um, and that's one thing I lost when I got given the seven full time or the six, whatever, whatever position you want to say I played at the Roosters. I sort of lost that part of me where, as a kid, as you said, it probably pissed a lot of people off. And mm. if there's any hookers that I've played with coming for the grades, I'm sorry, but I've sort of got that back now when I went to England and, and got that confidence back and belief in that you're in your own ability. The fact that sometimes, if you watch it on TV, you probably think, what's he doing? Like, that's a dummy half's job. But the dummy half, and because I've played the position, you're in the washing machine, so to speak. You're making 40 tackles. You're up and down. You need to get your forwards over the ad line in behind the ruck. As a half, it's so easy to, like, like what Nathan did in the semifinal against Melbourne last year when he just ran into the dummy half and picked it up and just went 25-metre cross kick, hit the winger on the chest to score. 
you got to be able to do both. And uh, as you said, I think Nathan's the best at it now, whereas he plays that structured game so well, like that, not robot, but that Cooper Cronk-like methodical, I'm going to go here, 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 I'm going to death by a thousand cuts by these little kicks. And then he's got the, what I love watching Nathan do now, I don't really necessarily like playing against it, but when he, he gets the two big, uh, big middle forwards, Leota and Fisher-Harris, and he just shows one, pretty much stops, takes off, shows the other one or hits him, he's the best at having that ball there now, hiding it behind his body, whereas... That's sort of lost art now because of the block plays and stuff. But I feel like Nathan's progression has been so good that he sort of can play like Sherwin and, and Prince, but he can also play like Cronk, which, I mean, in terms of like the pecking order of halfbacks, I don't know how many have been able to do both. Like Joey could do both. Thurston could do both. And then now you've got Cleary that like how many more that can you name that can do both? You know? well, and the scary thing about Cleary is that he knows how to do both at 24. I was about to say, he's about 16, Nathan, as well. Yeah. So he's got plenty of years it's left. It's crazy. Yeah. It's insane. Anyway, we, we talk about this enough and people get really upset about it. So <laughs> uh, we'll let it slide. But yeah, Shifty Sherwin, uh, one of my favourites yeah, all good, time. Good Absolutely love him. All right, my next one. I'm still undecided which way to go here. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm going to go with... And I, I personally think he's underrated. I'm keen to hear what you two think. Um Cooper Cronk obviously started at the Melbourne Storm. I'm not doing Cooper Cronk, but Cooper Cronk started at the Melbourne Storm. I think he came in the 05 season, I think it was, and people forget the halfback before him. Yeah, I know you're going to say Yeah, Sam. Matty Orford. Uh, Oh, yeah. Similar to Brent Sherwin, just never got to play State of Origin because of so many star halfbacks, but... Mate, I thought the Ox was incredible. Tough, obviously, his nickname. Yeah. Tough as nails, the Ox. As uh, at the Melbourne Storm, went to the Manly Seagulls and the 2008 season. When you consider some of the halves running around that season, he is he won the Dalian medal that year and then captained that side to a 40-nil drumming yeah. of a Melbourne Storm team that was cheating. Yep, He was an absolute master at his craft, Matty Orford. He didn't get the Clive either, did he? Brent no, Kite Brent got it, didn't fucking, he? Yeah, I still, uh, respectfully to Brent Kite, I don't know how on earth in a 40 nil jumping a front row forward. Yeah, right. Yeah. I thought Orford was sensational. Yeah, I do as well. As well. And he, I think I think like the mark of a good player, like what you just said, sorry to cut you off, mate, when you're coming up against people like Cronk, Slater, Smith, like the team that Melbourne had, it's so easy to get, regardless if players want to say it or not, when you're coming up against an elite, well-known, all-time great player, it's hard not to give them that respect or, or feel a little bit overawed in the sense that I don't know what this guy's got in his kit bag or what he can bring out on the big stage. And for him to do that against those three in particular, and you got to remember the supporting cast at Melbourne weren't bad either, I think it shows the, the mark of the man. And like Manly have had so many good halfbacks. Obviously, Cherry's been there for – how long's Chess played for? 12, 13 years? Yeah, he's been there since 2011. And then, 2011. And then like, like you had Jeff Tuvey before that. Like, I mean – so to, uh, he probably gets lost a little bit in in terms of he played in between them two, but I think he was so unbelievably tough. Like in terms of toughest halfbacks, mainly if, obviously I just named two of them. Like he's pound for pound probably up there with one of the toughest to play. I think he's one of those guys. You know, we all talk about that manly side and how good they were from that oh seven to eleven, but his name never gets thrown around. It's no, always yeah. the Stewarts. The Lions, the Mad Eyes, these sort of guys, which is fair enough, all classy, fantastic players. And then Ches and Foz come along, and it's like we I, I feel like Orford is one of the more forgotten guys in rugby league history because he's the guy before Cooper Cronk. Yeah. And then he's the guy before 
Ches Jerry and all these guys come yeah. in. So people sort of forget about him. Just on that 2008 grand final, I think it would have been an unreal moment for Orford. And as I said, I think he's the forgotten man because he came. He was the guy before Cooper Cronk. You know who captained Melbourne that day? In, uh, Remember Cameron Smith was out. He was suspended. Oh, yeah, he was too. Um, this is a trick question. Nah. I've, 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 I've kind of given you the answer, so don't now think the room here. Matt Orford. No, he played against no. him. So it was... Cooper Cronk was a captain that day. Oh, right, sorry. So yeah. I reckon it would be something that Orford had looked back in his career and sort of go, yeah. got a one-up that day. Yeah, for against sure. Against a cheating Melbourne Storm side. Uh, yeah, so unlike You know, he was a cracking goal kicker as well, Matty Orford. Oh, yeah, he was too, yeah. And now, I, I'm not sure. There, it was towards the back end of his career as Brett Stewart started to come on. Those two had a combination that was close to unmatched. Yeah. Those two are incredible. There's that try, I think it's at Leichhardt Overly, puts like – a midfield banana kick bomb yeah, back straight to the mid- just sits on its belly, yeah. yeah. And uh, Snake comes through and gets it. They had another one where a, a couple of flick passes he threw around his back yeah. to Snake, and some unbelievable moments. I think Matty Orford incredibly unlucky to never play Origin. Matty, just on yeah, yeah. Uh, if we go straight back, like right back to the start of his career, you say he got a little one up, one up on Cooper uh, Cronk. He got a little one up on Brecken Morley as well because he came through the North grades. And Brecken Morley, everyone forgets, played one year at the Northern Eagles in 2001. Yeah. And that's the reason Orford left North Manly, blah, blah, blah. And then he went to uh, Melbourne. Brecken Morley had, had a great career, but like obviously that year wasn't great for anyone at the Northern Eagles. And yeah. then Matt Orford steps in, he becomes the halfback and breaks a bunch of point-scoring records. So, yeah, it's a pretty interesting story about how he got to, uh, got to Melbourne as well. Now, he played for three NRL clubs. Four, sorry. Oh, four. Uh, three, if you want to count Northern Eagles and Manly is the same thing. I'll offend everyone out there. Who was the other club he played for? Do you know it, Matty? I do because I, I, for some reason, I have this in my head ingrained forever. This will test your, uh, yeah, how much of a rugby league nerd you are. He finished his career at a different club. Was so he, he played for Melbourne. He played for Manly. So he played for three clubs? Yeah, so he, he, he started at Northern Eagles, then he went to Melbourne, then he went to Manly, and then... Did he go over to the he Super, went to League. Super League? Super League. Did he? Yeah. Yep. Who did he play for there? Uh, Bradford. Yep. Oh, did he? Played for Bradford in 2010. Then he came back to the NRL. He only played six games and respectfully oh. too, Matty. It was a pretty bang average six games. He was, I think he was carrying an injury and stuff. Was yeah, it New South Wales or Queensland? New South Wales team. Well. Technically. Yeah, well, now it's giving it away. New South Wales team, I guess. <laughs> Don't know how good oh, the is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do. I actually do remember that. What year was that? 2011. 11. Was that when yeah. Campo was the man at the Raiders or was that bef- before? Uh, I mean, it was, around the same it was around the same time. Yeah, yeah. He, he played five games. Campbell, Campbell killed it a little earlier than so that. So who was the half? Who was the actual? Who took over, or who was the half at the Raiders that year? Uh, it wasn't. Um, who's the fellow that ran on and protested the other day? Oh, oh. Fuck, what's his name? <laughs> Josh McCrone was his halves partner that year. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And then yeah. Sammy Williams came in later. Ah, in right, yeah. But he only he only played. Six games that year. Like yeah. he didn't play the whole season. No, it wasn't. It wasn't overly pretty. Not what we remember the great Ox for, though. Yeah. I think it's two thousand eight. The real uh, cherry on top there. Um, now I've got one more. I just want to throw in there. That's real old school, but I think not enough people know his story, which I think is incredible. We obviously know Josh and Brett Morris. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. yeah. Two of the greatest outside backs we've ever seen, and I think when we talk about great families, people sleep on his old man. <laughs> People sleep on his old man so much. So I'll take you back. He, in, what is it, 1978, 
He's playing for the Dapto Canaries down there, right? Did you know this whole? You probably know it better than me. My, my dad, yeah. So my dad and Slippery were were pretty. Oh, not I wouldn't say bitter rivals, but I think they've had a few blues in the day. My dad captain coached the Canaries, but when Slippery was at the Dragons and my dad was at the Roosters, they had some they had some ding dongs. There's one on YouTube where I think I think Dad uh, gets him gets him all right. But I grew up with Brett. Um, sorry, not Brett. I grew up with Matt Morris, who's stepbrothers to Brett and Josh, yep. and Dylan Morris, who's the youngest one. Again, and they played for the Kaima Knights, and I played for um, Albion Park. So I've known the Morris family for for years. But sorry, yeah. Well, in 1978, he's he's playing halfback for Dapto. Yeah. 1979, St George bring him into first grade. He wins Dalian Player of the Year, and he wins the Clive Churchill equivalent in a grand final victory. His Fair first year. year at halfback, and then five years later. I think he wins back-to-back Dalian Winger of the Year. Yeah, we're, I, I don't get that trans... I was about to say, I don't think, I don't think there'd be anyone else that has ever gone Dalian halfback into Dalian Winger or vice versa. Just look on Twitter, I could never play wing too slow. But <laughs> where's, the, where's the transition there? Like, I don't, I don't actually yeah. get the transition from when he was halfback to, to wing. Uh, he, he got, in like 1981, he went from halfback... To centre and then end, ended up on the sting. So it wild, was it was fast. That's it's, all fast too. Like the two younger brothers are quick, man. Well, that's what when you go and watch this guy's highlights, slippery, unbelievable, lightning quick. And that one year went from playing park football to a Dalian medal, man of the match grand final, and takes out the company's first year as a halfback in first grade. And then he went on to play more games as a winger than he did. He played 150 games as a winger, 99 as a halfback. Yeah, it's a pretty incredible family. He still lives down in Kyama, actually, yeah. partner Stace. So it's a pretty good family. Like the two the two younger boys, obviously there's Brett and Josh, but the two younger boys are, were, were very talented too. Um, How old are they? Are they your age? Or? Nah, Maddie's, uh, Maddie's 27 and Dill would be 20. How old am I? 26. I reckon Dill's 24. And um, Dylan actually went over to England for a bit to play, I'm pretty sure, in like the lower grades. I don't know if he's still there or not, but um, – Maddie stopped playing. Oh, they play. I think they might play local first grade for Climber, maybe mm. still. But unbelievable family. Like that, those two boys were were so talented as well. And just obviously, not everyone can make it, unfortunately. And um, they sort of fell to the wayside a little bit. But yeah, slippery. Um, still gets around in Climber there, local local boy. But he played for the Dapdo Canaries, which we don't like. <laughs> we don't like that. <laughs> when though. you think about a father and his two sons, all play for the Kangaroos. Yeah, yeah that's cool. Josh didn't win a premiership, but between them, they would have had three or four premierships. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, they, I, I think as far as the best families ever, they're probably not spoken about enough because people don't realise how good Slippery was. Maddie, did you have anyone else on your list that uh, didn't get a bait today? No. So I, so Maddie Orford was my, my reserve, which we, we've, which we've spoken about. I had, I wrote down very quickly, I wrote down John Sutton, but that might be because I'm a South fan and he didn't really play in the halves for like more than half his career. So yeah, that's why I left him out. Jack, who did you have, mate, that didn't get a feature? I got Craig Gower. Yeah. Mm. And then I, I I wrote Ben Hunt. Wow. I wrote Ben I'm a huge Ben Hunt fan. Oh, I've said this to Ben Hunt, so <laughs> I actually, when we played him this year, it was the first time since like 2015 that I got to play against Ben Hunt. Um, he was at the Broncos last time I played him. I was only 19. I remember we played him at uh, we played him at home. Oh, and then they slapped us in the, the prelim. They beat us by 40. We should have played in the grand final that year. Our team was unbelievable. But anyway, I remember walking up to him at the end of the game. We played on the same side of the field, and obviously he was, well, his whole year was fantastic. But the start of the year he was flying, and I was, I was like, oh, I've got to try and get into Ben Hunt. I just couldn't get anywhere near him. Built low to the ground, stocky. And at the end of the game, I just walked up to him. I said, mate, you're my favourite player. 
I didn't know how he was going to take it. Where he was going to be like, "What the hell? What the fuck are you on about?" <laughs> or, or, or uh, but like he was the way he received it made me feel good. Like he just didn't make me feel like a like a weird fanboy or anything. He just said how much he appreciated it. And then randomly, a couple of months later, I did a VB ad with him, and he's just so down to earth. But um, watching the way he played Origin actually gave me a bit of hope when I and I kept joking about it when I actually moved to Lock. Obviously, watching how he played and got around the field and stuff. But I think. Everyone always is going to give him shit for the for the GF thing and don't want to harp on it because you don't like seeing people talk about it. But I think he proved this year that he's not only one of the best halfbacks in the comp, but he sort of got lost in that topic of how good he, his career has been at halfback too because he's played so many games off the bench and stuff like that for the Broncos. But, you know, ultimately he could have won that grand final back back when he played, obviously against Thurston, which would have been a massive scalp for him to have on the, on the resume and, and things happen. But... Yeah, I had Benny Hunt in there, as well as obviously Craig Gower. You mentioned that 2015 grand final, and I will harp on about it because I'll defend Ben Hunt till the fucking cows come home. Yeah. I'll die on this hill that I don't think – if he wasn't in that team, Brisbane aren't a top four side that year. Nah, yeah. He was unbelievable. And you talk about that 2015 grand final, if Brisbane would have won it, I reckon it's one of the biggest sliding doors moment in rugby league history. Yeah. I reckon if they win that, Wayne probably never leaves. Yeah. I reckon he'd still be there. Ben Hunt, he becomes a premiership-working halfback at the Broncos. Tell me where the career of Anthony Mill. I'll tell you what, if, if Brisbane win that grand final, Milford is a premiership winner and he's a Clive Churchill medalist. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I just I just know from playing against Ben Hunt that year and then watching his career and then playing against him now, like how much he's grown. So he yeah. was a fantastic player then. And then obviously extremely unlucky that Nico Hines had obviously arguably the best year ever in terms of the Dally M points voting. Ben Hunt was was unbelievable. So um and then Craig Gower, you would have watched Craig Gower a lot, eh? Yeah, yeah. He was so tough, man. Like he's like not the OG tough halfback, but he, him and Joey were the two that used used to smash back rowers. And then obviously now he's boxing and, and doing stuff like that, which is pretty cool. But I just love watching Craig Gower play. Like, low, well, he's not really low to the ground, is he? Like he's stocky built, but like he's not a small bloke by any stretch. And um, yeah, he was hard as nails. That's what I remember most about him: just watching Penrith play and how tough they were. Like they had the pull of tour brothers. Reese Wessar, Preston. Is that when Preston won the Dally M? Nah, I think I'll he won to it. him in a minute. He's, yeah. a, he's an unlucky one for me that we didn't mention. Oh, yeah, Preston. Yeah, yeah. I had Preston. He, he oh, won. sorry, no. He played seven when he won it, didn't he, Preston? Yeah, that's what yeah, I was going to He, he won Dally M 2001 when he was playing halfback. That's right, yeah. Dollar. So yeah. he's another one that he obviously went up to the Gold Coast, played a bit of 5'8", played a bit of fullback, um, champion player Preston. Some other names I had written down here. Remember Michael Monaghan? Yep. Yeah, yeah. You I talk do. you talk about tough motherfuckers. Yeah. Michael Monaghan, he, he played a lot of hooker, but he played more halfback than he did hooker at Manly. He was tough as nails. Did, was he at the club at all when you were there? Was he nah, in the coaching he, staff? He, he was there after Trent went, I think. I think he went back with Desi. Yeah. Um, but I I watched him play a fair bit when he played for Warrington over in the Super League. He was like, when they say tough as nails, yeah, man. <laughs> Mate, and like respectfully, whenever people talk about the Monahams, they talk about Joel. Yeah. Michael was the one to talk about. Yeah, yeah. Fuck, he, he good, could mate. play. He was a good footballer. Preston Campbell I had on there. I had Brett Kamali as well. We actually spoke about him yeah. pre-show. That, yeah. You know, he's done it all. Brett Kamali, he's won a comp. He's Clive Churchill medalist, although I think a lot of the time people forget that. He left, I think he was at the Hunter Mariners. Yep. He came down with Scott Hill to the Melbourne Storm. You know, and it seems so normal now, the Melbourne Storm, but putting a franchise in the rugby league desert yeah. Then winning a comp two years later off the back of the halfback. Yeah. Unbelievable career, Brett Kamali. Unfortunately, we, we remember, a lot of people remember him for the intercept throwing to Matt Bowen 
Um, for me, though, I look at that moment and go, fuck, to be that late in the game and yeah. have the mindset, I'm going to try and throw this pass to win this game. Yeah, it's That pretty, says it all. And like to be able to keep Andrew Johnson hooker and not halfback for the amount of rep games that, that Noddy got to play is pretty much the mark of what he was as a player, which was outstanding too. So the, the thing about Noddy too, it shows like how good of a bloke he is that he can talk about that moment and no one obviously brought it up to take the piss because it's just one, disrespectful and two, the career he's had shits on 75 to 80% of people that have ever played the game. But the he um, <laughs> he can joke about that moment, which yeah. shows how far, far he's come to and he's just a top bloke as well as a good player. Another one I had on this list, uh, and I, he, when he was at his peak, I thought he was sensational. Old Penrith halfback, Luke Walsh. Oh, he's another one I've played against. I played for the Roosters in 2015 World Club Challenge against St. Helens. Mm. We did, we touched them up. We had, a, we had a fair side, obviously. But Luke Walsh's kicking game, we talk about like kicking game from sort of 30 to try line. He used to set up that many tries, didn't he? Yep. He, yeah, Luke Walsh was a freak. Well, him coming, I, I believe they always say up in Newcastle, coming from the juniors, it was always Luke Walsh and Jared Mullen in the same yeah, teams. Right. And then I think Brian Smith shipped off Luke Walsh. And yeah. I don't think they, and Newcastle ever forgave Brian Smith. Was Luke Walsh the one at Penrith that used to come out with um, different coloured boots? Yes. Was that him? Yeah. He used to have, yeah. wear one. Remember there was that blue. one year where Penrith just had enough, I think it was 2011, they had Petra seven to save, Luke Walsh was the halfback. I think they finished second on the ladder. Was that the year just before Luke Lewis left? I think so. Yeah, right. they, they jumped out of the ground all of a sudden out of nowhere. I think Matty Elliott might have been the coach. Do your own research. Michael Gordon fullback. Was yeah, that Mick year? Gordon. Yeah. But, and it, it was it was during that period that Petra Sevenasiva came yep. down there. It was it was and he was great that year. Luke Walsh. Another one I had was Matty Head from the Dragons. Oh yeah, he's so. <laughs> Matty Head used to eat meat pies and drink cans of Coke and was our <laughs> high school football coach, believe it or not. He used to sit on the hill because he was that smart. He'd just sit back with a meat pie, do this, do that. <laughs> but um, I'll never ever – I was at that Anzac Day game when he kicked the goal from the sideline. Like crazy. I will never ever forget it. And just like – he just put on the tee, just stuck it there, just walked back, looked at the post, just walked in and kicked it. And he didn't even look surprised at how easy it went over. No. Not to mention he was the one that put in the chip, chip before chase, that. Yeah. Even the pass to Matty Cooper. Yeah. That was a cracker too. Great player. Um, yeah, mate, good. the last one I had on this list, and this one might be a little bit controversial, he might actually be potentially the best player we've spoken about today. But I just think that when we talk about the goats of the 2000s, we talk Freddie, yep. talk Lockie, talk Joey. We should talk Stacey Jones as well, I Oh, think. man. Give the man his flowers, eh? Yeah. yeah. As far as, you know, yes, he was in the top tier – but he's never given enough respect in that top tier that he should get. That grand final try, <laughs> that grand final try he scored was like unbelievable. Like when you talk about like talented halves to come out of, well, we always speak about Australia because you obviously the NRL most teams, have, but like New Zealand have produced so many talented halves. Like obviously Stacey and Benji, Shawnee, we've spoken about. They're they're just three off the top of my head because of they played an era that I was watching, but. Um, watching Stacey play in an era where it was bash and barge and, and the ref sort of let it go a little bit in the early 2000s and for someone of his stature, like in terms of height, and he obviously wasn't the biggest man in the world, his skill set, as you said, probably we talk about Sherwin and we talk about Scott Prince, but in terms of actual skill set of putting people through holes and that, there wouldn't be too many players in the history of the game, I don't think, that were as good at it as what Stacey was. And, and knowing your ability, knowing that, you got to take the line at the right time so you're going to get smashed or you grubber. Like, he had a great short kicking game. But, like, in, oh, I, there's, there's got to be an immortal soon. Like, and Benji gets spoken about a lot. 
but Stacey's career, man, like just I don't know why. I don't know why it doesn't get talked about as much as what it should, but he was so unbelievably gifted, man, for a little fella too. You sort of tip your cap to people that can do what he did. How many tests do you reckon he played for the Kiwis? I know. Uh, Started in 95, finished in 06. Was he one of the boys that played 50 or not? Just fell short. Yeah, 40-something. Yeah. Fucking incredible. Yeah. I think, you know, you mentioned that try in that grand final, and um, I, I often think about that try and – Cody Walker's against the Penrith Panthers. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, if those, if the Pan- if the Rabbitohs and the Warriors win those grand finals, I think they are like iconic. Scott Sattler moments. Yeah. yeah, they're iconic moments for sure. Like Stacey's one was just got it, weave, weave, weave. Did he step the fullback or did he just run around him? He just, done one. He, he, he had, I think it was Mick Crocker and Brad Fittler and Luke Phillips, and he just weaved around them. But before that, he threw the dummy where he froze. Yeah. And everyone just went into. He done that. Eh? He like done like yeah, a semi roundabout. Yeah. yeah, and they everyone on the field just froze for a split second. He went straight. I, through I just it. remember how he used to wear. Obviously, they wore the white shorts and they were they were big. And he wore the big forearm yeah. guard. Never looked rattled. But um, Cody Walker's try last year in the grand final, individual brilliance wise, is oh sorry, year before or whatever year it was, was one of the best tries. Like Nathan Cleary would be considered as the best defensive half in the comp. To get rid of him the way he did was one thing. And then to put on the the gas and score, man, against a Penrith side over the last three years who have been arguably the greatest side over the last 20 or so in terms of what they've been able to do. Yeah, you're right. Those two tries. And I need you to Google this yes. eventually. Oh, I don't know if they'll show it. Salford Red, I'm not saying this because I played. It would probably be extended highlights. Tuilola, he is no try in the 2019 Grand Final in Super League. I don't know if you would have seen it either. If that got given try, I'm happy to say it's probably one of the greatest big game tries I've ever seen. I'd, you'd have to go through it. I'll show you. I'll be able to find it and show you after. But he went, he went dummy, left foot, left foot, right foot, right foot, left foot, left foot, goosey, try, and got disallowed because the St. Helens guy pushed his teammate in front of him. <laughs> Fuck that. But like, God. Uh, just, yeah, to be able to move like, I wish I could move like these boys, man. <laughs> I think the other thing with Stacey, and I'm keen to hear what you say in response to this, like he played in a team that was so unstructured. Yeah. Like like, I imagine being a halfback, it must have been a little bit of a nightmare, but you have to be very self-aware to understand that I just have to, I have to fit in with these guys. Yeah, and and that's the purity of what I was talking about in terms of like rugby league's this game that got made. So it went from from that, flat and fast. He had big forwards, big OBs. He'd get a lot of quick rucks where he could whip it to his strike centre or, or fullback or whoever it was. And then you get to a point in, was it the mid-2000s, you reckon, where the game sort of started to become a bit more structured? Yeah, I'd say 03, 04, around that. Yeah, yeah. And, then, and then the block play was the play. And because people had never seen it before, but then now the – the obstruction rule, no one, no one kind of gets it still. Like mm, yeah. you know, like there was a try. What game was it this year? Where, oh, off the scrum, Penrith try. See, I think it was a try, Dylan Edwards try against Souths. Was it? You yeah, know, the one where Isaac Tungo went. Someone made yeah. a bad read, and although we caught on the inside, people were like, "Well, that's just." But if you're actually watching the game and the game that we love, that's a try every day of the week. It's a poor read by the centre. I don't really think it matters if he catches on the inside slightly or not. Personally, as a player. I think if you make a bad read, you shouldn't get the liberty of being able to hit him and fall and, and mm. throw your arms about. You know, as a halfback or a former halfback like myself, <laughs> <laughs> I know, obviously know. We're going to have to get you on my diet for a couple of weeks, <laughs> I think, to get you in the pack. Having like a good back row or run a hard lead line with a – so like at the Roosters, for example, I'll just use them. Like If you've got Angus Crichton running a genuine hard lead line and you've got James Tedesco at the back of it, 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. A lot of times you're going to pick the wrong guy. It's as simple as that. And I don't think that we should always give the the privilege, I would say, to the defender of being able to just go, oh, well, the easy option is to just step in front of Angus, hit the deck, and hopefully Teddy catches it behind him so it's no try. I'd like to see that go. And, uh, yeah, you might get more sort of people at the start go, well, what's an obstruction, what's not? But I think we're going to do a better job at, like... That's us now, though. Yeah, like the, we're having the same conversation. Exactly right, and it's not black or white, is it? Yeah. Like they try to make it black or white, but I feel like that rule could sort of just open it up a bit more. It's not a black and white game. No, it's never not. has been. It never will be, mm. and that's the beauty of it. It's why we're gonna we are gonna always have controversies and shit that doesn't make sense. But it's because it's not, and that's what makes it so good at the same yeah, time. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, it's those little moments that can go either way that decide games. That when you're on the winning side of it, it's great. When you're yeah. on the losing side, it sucks. Or it. Cost you a multi, which we've been there a few times. <laughs> I just I just watched that try, the Lola Hayes try. So everyone type in 2019 grand final extended highlights and go to the five minute mark. It'd be it's an injustice for me to try and explain it. That that what, is what, fucking what, crazy. What, where would you rate that? Like I mean, without if, over without over exaggerating, that's if it was a try, it'd be better than all the ones we just named. It's good in no that. doubt. It's fucking crazy. I remember I remember live because he got the ball and Tui's got this like. Uh, do you watch much Super League? You probably wouldn't, would you? No, nah, not really. He the way he's developed from he's when he was always at, awake for it. He's just not watching it from when he was at the Tigers on the wing or wherever he was playing at the Tigers, and then he went over to Super League and been able to play of him. Watching how far he's come in as a player is is unbelievable. But that try, I remember, like I was actually to the left calling for the ball, I think, or something. And then you start seeing Tui do his sing, do his sing, do his sing. You're like, where's he going? And then he scores. Everyone runs in. The ref goes obstruction. Didn't even go to the video, bro. Yeah, but didn't go like, to the video. Fuck, bro. Yeah, you need to watch it, man. It's so good. Oh. Sick. All right. Are there any other halfbacks you want to throw in there that we didn't mention? I'm trying to think off the top of my head. Uh, who, who, who are the four that you had written down at the start? What about Joe Williams? Oh, There's yeah. one for you. You're right a South fan. Yeah. Oh, Maybe a bit biased. My brothers grew up with Joey Williams, but like he's someone that natural footballer, same thing, like could do could do things on a footy field that not many people could. I had I had Tommy Lulawai. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and again, might be. I've got a few that like might be biased, but because I've seen them up close and personal, I feel like I owe them the respect of saying their name. Like I'll go out and easily say Tommy Tommy Lulawai's the greatest defender in Super League NRL combined, or any code that says rugby at the start of it, ever. And like you could name me, who could you name? Trevor Gilmeister. You could name people out to me. And although I wasn't alive to watch the Axe smash people and. My dad's actually told me about Trevor Gilmeister, but my dad also watched me play with Tom Lulawai. So there's about 60 years of watching mm. rugby league combined. Mm. Tommy would hands down be the hardest and best defender I, I've ever seen. Wow. And he stands at about five foot seven, I'll give him. I don't want to give him too short because he'll come <laughs> and flog me. But and, and then on the back of that, I've never seen anyone go so far into the line. Mm. He does this weird thing to, Oh it's not weird It's an unbelievable play All he do, He catches on A 
and he's got this thing where, say, we're attacking right to left, he'll bounce off his left foot to go into the line, which automatically makes the defender go from there to there. B defender has to check the lead. And just, I remember when I played off the back of it, I thought to myself, like, I actually wish I could do what he's doing because at one point I'm going to have to hopefully do this for a 5-8 because I was playing that sort of six role when he was playing seven. And his career is like over 450 games. I'm looking now. He, yeah. yeah I, two, two decades of just... I had a good look at his career the other day, and like, I'll be the first to admit, because he's in the Super League. I, yeah. like, I feel like every year for the last few years, I, I see his name pop up and I go, fuck, is he still playing? Mate, Paul Gallen messaged me on Instagram when I, um, I put a video up of him, because he retired this year, but I put a video up of him after they'd won a game. He'd done a last home game at, at Wigan. He got the, the tunnel and, and Wigan posted and I reposted it. And Gal tweeted me, goes, oh, he dared me and goes, is he still fucking playing? <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. I, I was having uh, when he retired. I did some things on him when he made his Kiwis debut. So not first. Oh, I debut, remember this. Yeah, Kiwis debut. Darren Lockyer was still playing fullback. That's crazy, man. And had hair. How long ago that was? Unbelievable. He, pl- he like he, he's the last guy that was still playing this year that played against Joey too. Yeah, yeah. He, he played two years against Joey. It's unbelievable. Yeah, so I played against him at the Warriors when he come back. So he played. Yeah. So he went Wigan, come back. I played against him at Mount Smart Stadium. Went back to Wigan, played against him for Salford, then got to play with him. And in terms of all time greatest players I've played with, I'd have to find whether it's in the fourteen, whether it's in the nine, seven, six. I'd have to find a spot for him. Like he's that good. And people can say it's just a Super League, I don't, and obviously I'm biased because I've been there and played there, but. He's so, so good. And then I just I wrote down a couple of names like, I don't know if you boys would know this guy. His name's Andy Gregory, mm. one of the all-time great English halfbacks. Like, I, can't, I don't, I don't want to do the disrespect of falling short on his achievements, but he won the comp two-plus times, Challenge Cup so many times, played so many tests for Great Britain. I don't know if he even played for England. I think it was just Great Britain back in well, that day. I, I know that he was uh, he was one of the one of the best players in that 1990 side that yeah. really put it to the Kangaroos. He, yeah. he was sort of one of the faces of that side. Yeah, so he I got to meet him because he was a uh, he played he coached at Salford and played for Wigan. I think I've got that right. I know he definitely played for Wigan. But just being able to meet him and then obviously learning about these boys' career when you're in England, like what he did, like the amount of games that the boys over there used to play – like, you look at James Graham's 400-plus games, Sean O'Loughlin, 400-plus games. Mm. I don't know what Sam Tompkins is on, but I'm sure he'll go close to 400-plus. But Andy Gregory, Andy Gregory, from what I've heard and then what I've been able to see on YouTube and highlights and that was was unbelievable. And then the last one I had, and I felt like I, I owed it to this person purely for what they did for me and what they've been through and what they've taught me. Can you guess? I'm going to say Piercy. Yeah. Yeah. And like people say, oh, how can you underrate him? He played Origin, won comps, but he has never ever and probably will never ever get the respect of like what he deserves. And Cooper going there and, and winning a comp the year that Mitch left isn't obviously going to help his his case. Well, it's not his case, it's my case. But watching what the bloke did, um, galvanise a group leadership-wise, toughness for a halfback, underrated, like severely underrated how tough he was. Long kicking game was phenomenal, like phenomenal. The way he hit a ball and could land it in that 10 by 10, like I think that gets lost in translation. And people have got to like sit back and realise who the fuck he was playing against. Like like look at the guys he was playing against in Origin. No one won against them. 
They won 10 in a row. Yeah, like, exactly. how how can you use that argument against him? It, it, it baffles me. Like, it really baffles me. But his career, like, just go look at it. Played first grade at 17. Like, mm. not many people can say they've done that. So... I got. I feel like I owe it to him for what he did for me when I was a kid and the way he looked after me. But I'm, I put Mitch in that underrated. He does, he's not underrated to me, but I, I, I think he's underrated to a lot of other people. He's a cracker. But I would have loved to have seen him play thirteen at some point. I bet his dad would have loved that too. Oh man, I'm sure his dad would have loved it. Yeah, he, he probably had too much of a good kicking game as you said yeah. to play thirteen. But mate, if you just take the kicking game out, everything throughout his career, I always thought Mitch Pierce is so fucking suited to thirteen. Yeah. It's not even funny. Have you ever stood next to him or seen him? Like he's a yeah. he's he's a bigger he's, big. he's bigger across here than what people give him credit for. And the one admiration I always had, I remember the first couple of weeks that I done preseason with him. The first time I was seventeen, his will to compete when no one would sort of look at that and go fuck that's that's good com- competitiveness or that like never say die attitude. Mm-hmm. Like he was like the James Graham would chase when. He knows he's not going to get there or he's not going to tackle him, but he'd chase anyway. So, yeah, as I said, I felt like it was my duty <laughs> to um, make sure his name got brought up for sure. But he could have played hooker if he wanted to, I reckon, as well. And he got the best left or right pass I've ever seen. Him and Todd Carney, the boys. Jeez, that was a year, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. yeah. Wait, can we? Can I say Todd Carney as well? Yeah, yeah I, I, thought, I thought about Todd like, Carney. Come on, bro. Yeah. Todd Carney's passing... If you ask anyone that played at the oh, – well, you could probably say Sharks too mm. and Roosters who f- passes a ball the best I've ever seen, Mitchell Pearce and Todd Carney would be a heavy debate. Like they used to stand on the two tens, the two scrum lines and just go, do you want it? Hitting each other on the chest. Mm. Crazy. Toddy's 10, 2010? 2010, the, yeah. the Dally M, yeah. That Dally M year was a G out, man. Just came out of nowhere too. Just like the Roosters, they uh, – 09, I think they got the spoon. Yeah. They yeah. fucking awfully. Yeah, sh- yeah. TC arrived and they just exploded. So he fullback that year as well. Yeah. Yeah. And like he's another one that like – he had bad – he snapped his Achilles a couple of times, I yeah. think, and had bad ankles. And he was never overly quick, but he um, he actually – he doesn't know this. I'm, I'm mates with Toddy and he played at Salford where I played over in England. But his catch – I know this is going to sound really nerdy, but the, he caught the ball at the furthest point better than anyone I've ever seen. And people will be like, well, why does that matter? But, like, you get the ball in your hands quicker, one, but you can actually transfer it quicker, two, which seems obvious to talk about. But when you got back rolls and front rolls flying at you, trying to take your head off, to be able to catch it there and know where you want your runner to be able to get it to him. I actually watch Todd Carney highlights sometimes before I play. That's how much I used wow. to love watching him play, man. He just played free. Had the dyed hair, socks up, tattoos everywhere. Yeah. Loved the beard. He was the man. He yeah, was the man, Toddy. So. And such a good bloke. Like, if you if you ever met him, I know you can read about people and we do this all the time. Like, you've yeah. mentioned about heaps of people. But, like, would take his shirt off his back for you. Such a good fella. But, yeah, those two um, – yeah, incredible man. Where, where, where is he up at? Is he up at Byron Bay now? Isn't he captain coach or is he just coach? I'll tell you. I think they're the they're the Devils, aren't Red Devils yeah. or something? Yeah, Byron, yeah. Byron Bay Devils. I think they. I don't are. know if he's got Instagram anymore, but I'll go on Todd Carney. I think he's. Um, I think he's. Yeah, he, he he's been doing a bit too. So I know he was captain coach up there. He's thirty six. Jesus, still fucking play. All right, have we had enough? 
Are we done here? Are we going through every half that has ever been slightly underappreciated of all time? What about Michael Witt? We spoke about that before. Oh, yeah. Michael <laughs> Witt was good, man. What about the goal-kicking techers, the high knee at the top of the run-up? Yeah. You used to kick off that big yellow, I don't know, that big yellow thick tee. Mm. Tell you a story about, I had him on the podcast a few years ago. Crazy story. He went to the Warriors, right? Yeah. When he was playing there, after a training session once, he walks into the gym. There's no one else there. But he can hear an echo of, like, someone crying. And he's like, what the fuck is going on? So he wanders around the gym. He's looking for ages, right? Eventually finds behind one of the shit machines. Ruben Wiki's sitting there in tears, right? And he goes, what's the matter? What's going on? And he goes, oh, um, they want me to retire. They don't want me to play on next year. And at this point, Ruben Wiki was sitting on about 295 first-grade games, right? Right. The, the, the Warriors... We're really pushing him to retire. All the coaching staff were to free up salary cap and whatnot, blah, blah, blah. And Michael Witt sort of went, that's fucked. We all want you to play, blah, blah, blah. Um, I won't say who the coaches were at the time and stuff, but mm. Michael Witt got all the players together. and They went in and said, fuck that. We want Ruben to play on next year. It, it went on for ages. They eventually said, fine. They started him in reserve grade that year. Did they? Yeah. And then there was an injury and after a few weeks. He got back in. He played another 50-odd games or something. What a what a see that's a good teammate, eh? Yeah, hundred oh, percent. Yeah. That was yeah, and like you, you know what Michael Witt's like. He's a journeyman. At yeah. any point, a coach can go. You can fuck off. We'll yeah. just find. We'll just find another Michael Witt. Yeah, and he's got the whole team together for Ruben Wiki. Yeah, an absolute club legend. And that's it's something that Warriors no one ever talks about. Yeah, I love that day. Unreal. That's so good, man. That that's what like that's what sports all about too, eh? Doing yeah. that for you, mate. I've just come up with another one. You probably you probably won't say underrated, but in terms of like upper echelon, like this, he's a six, like James Maloney, mm. like come like come on man, like that's a career and a half. Considering where like he's a bit like Blake Green, couldn't get a gig or couldn't get a like a clean run into first grade, and now now he's got his own catchphrase, Jimmy wins. <laughs> like I mean, fuck <laughs> me, barbecuing yeah. alone, yeah. Jimmy wins as <laughs> yeah. a couple. But like every club he went to, he changed him for the better. Like, I know he didn't win a comp at Penrith, but he was a massive part of the reason why they are where they are now. And I've heard the boys actually speak about it publicly, obviously, when he left and how hard it was going to be for him to replace. Obviously, Jerome's done a fair job. Like, he's gone in there and, and done his thing in a different way. But I played with Jimmy, and he's one of them blokes that, like, you'll hear the same story a thousand times. Looks like he's not trying hard or training hard, but he is. But because he's got this sense of humour where... He's one of them blokes who can go on off like that in terms of like mucking around serious. I've never seen anything like it, and can pick a winner on the horses. <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> I, I've thought about I've thought about Maloney. What do you I, if, if you pick your team of the decade, I've thought about this last couple of years, from 2011 to 20, whatever. Oh, who's your six and seven? Cronk and Thurston, right? But yeah, it's hard to argue. But then I'd have Maloney like on my benches, like coming coming up next, like the next pick, which is. So what year are you saying? 11 to now. Just around that, the 2010s decades. Yeah, you have – well, Kronk has to be seven. And well, yeah. Thurston has to be six, realistically, as yeah. you said. But, I mean, who's got a better case to, like, go next into six? No one. That's really. what I mean. Yeah. I mean, as far as, like, club football goes, if you were to talk about who's the best winner, you could put an argument putting Maloney in front of Thurston. In club if you're just talking yeah. club football, obviously you, you throw State of Origin in there, landslide to JT, yeah. one of the grades. But um, before we go, I just want to – I mentioned I, – I forgot to mention it. little story that Brent Sherwin told me, right? Oh. When he, he – he sort of made a shock decision 
to go to England. None of the players were aware of it, nothing. It was like during the preseason, it just came out of nowhere that he was going to England. He sent a text out to the entire team, right? Mm. This would have been, Matty, can you deal? I'm going to guess 08. Did he go to FC? Where'd he go? Hull FC? Hull FC, I'm guessing. Maybe I'll know in a second. But he he sends a text to the entire squad just saying, sorry, boys, I'm going to go. I'm leaving in a couple of days. Opportunities come up. It is what it is. It's just not working at Canterbury, blah, blah, blah. What year was it? 07 was his last year at the Dogs. Where did he go to, bro? Castleford. Castleford. Yeah. So it was the 08 pre-season. He sends this text out to the entire squad, right? And he reckons that within 40 minutes, there was a knock on his front door, opened the door, Sonny Bill with a case of beer in tears because he was leaving. No way. That's epic, eh? Like, there's so many stories that I reckon people are worried to tell that would, like, break the internet. For the the better, though. Like, because you never see that sort of... Nah. Of people And was Sonny Did Sonny get in trouble Not long after that It wasn't long after that That Sonny left Yeah right, right. Yeah, yeah I, Like I'm not Shifty couldn't yeah. say it But I got the impression He was a real role model For Sonny Bill And it's like yeah. you Obviously you look at Sonny Bill now As the international Dual sport Absolute Nike Superstar Ro- Role model Yeah yeah. But then you go back To those years Which It's only 15 years ago yeah. Realistically And the day he finds out Brent Sherwin is going he shows up to the door, doesn't even say, I'm going to come around, just goes. The human aspect of footy aid, so yeah. good. Here, I've got one more, sorry, before we go. And I thought about this long and hard, and you boys will look at me and go, he's not underrated. But in terms of all-time greats, I don't think Ricky Stewart gets nowhere near the mention. What do you reckon? Yeah, it's a fair comment. Like, I mean, if you if people say, name your top five halfbacks ever, I don't hear Ricky's name pop up anywhere near as enough as what I've Feel like it should. That's just my own. That's just my own personal opinion. But what like made it stand out even more for me was his little doco on Fox. Yep. Have you seen it? Mm, yeah, I watched that. The yeah. one called Ricky when yeah. he threw the intercept at Wembley or Old Trafford. Then he threw the show and goal and went through and set up the match winner. That's right, yeah. Like the torpedo and and stuff like that that he had. My argument is always Brent Sherwin's got the best short kicking game ever. Ricky's got the best long kicking. Yeah. Well, he had, he had so many different weapons. Like, he had the torpedo. Did he start the torpedo? Was he yeah. the one? And he's not doing it with the footballs now. He's no, he's doing, doing it with, with a leather sponge. brick. Yeah, yeah, like, he's doing it with that. Yeah, it was – he was an absolute freak. And if you ever want to get an idea of the impact of Ricky Stewart, I'll just get it up now. I can't believe he come back from that broken ankle. Like, we're talking about bad breaks. Remember that? It was facing <laughs> east-west. That game, that was against Parramatta. Yeah. They won 68-0. They were red-hot favourites. He won the Dally M. They were going to win it all that year. He came back the year after and won the grand final in 94. 93, they're going to win it all without a doubt. He gets injured. Now, Ricky Stewart gets injured. Tough loss. You've got Mal Meninga. You've got Bradley Clyde. You've got Laurie Daly. Star-studded team. Fullback. um, Belcher. Steve Walters. Yeah. All stars. Lazarus. Absolute all stars. Not Lazarus. But yeah, still had all those guys. Chica. They lose three games in a row. Mullins? Was Mullins there then? Yep, Brett Mullins would have been there. He, he might have been the, the fullback over Gary Belcher, actually, now it's that a, I think about it. It's a fair team. Laurie Daly? Sorry, Belcher and Mullins are in it. Was so when he, so the, the game that he got injured in, this was their team. <laughs> Belcher, Nandruku, uh, Mal Meninga, Mullins, Sean Hoppe, Daly, Stewart, uh, Quinton <laughs> Pongia, Walters, Lomax, Dave Ferner, Bradley Clyde, Jason Croker. <laughs> you took Ricky Stewart out of that team. They went th- three losses in a row straight out. Came back the year after and won the grand final. That's a hard forward pack, man. And obviously, rest in love to uh, Quinton Pongia. He yep. was our um, he worked at Manly in the the mental health sort of space, and he actually helped me out 
like more than he would ever know too. So um, obviously condolences to to his family. But he was obviously watching highlights of him play. Fuck, he was a hard man, but so softly spoken. And that team, they shouldn't lose without. Like you could play with no halves and win with that team. Mate, in their first eighteen games that year, they lost three with Ricky Stewart. Then they lost three in a row to go out in straight sets. Did he start coaching at like something random, like thirty four? Was it young? Yeah, he, like he, co- the, he coached. It's wild. He he retired at the Bulldogs. Yeah, two thousand oh one. He coached their reserve grade, which had Rennie, yeah. Thurston, uh, Asatasi. They made a stacked team. Sunny might have been in it. Matt Utah was in it. Right. Yeah. Then Were he went Tonga? to the, been Yeah, there, quite possibly. Yeah. yeah. Then the year after, he went to the Roosters. His first season as a head coach. I think he was a year or two older than Brad Fittler, who was the captain, yeah. and they won that year. Is he the youngest ever premiership winning coach? He'd go he close, wouldn't he? There. Like he, he's the yeah. Because Gus I, rang him I, and he said he'd help him. Might be the youngest coach in general, let alone premiership winning. Yeah, well, anything under thirty-five or six would be like ridiculously young. Wouldn't well, it? you think? I think I think Trent Robinson. He won it when he was. It was his first year. I think he was like 36, 38, which is crazy. But Ricky did yeah, it. Yeah, Robbo's young. Yeah, Robbo is young. How old was – well, Baz was young too, but when Baz started, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, very young. Yeah. But Baz was really young. Still the best looking like bloke. You, you think about Ricky Stewart. When he was coaching in 02, his captain was Brad Fitler. Yeah, it's mad. They went on the 1990 Kangaroo Tour together. What about Craig Fitzgibbon? Like he wouldn't yeah. – um, Adrian Morley? Like you got, yeah. Um, who was the hooker? But Simon Benetti. Benetti, what a player. From Griffith. What a player. Little Italy. <laughs> Did it say? I think, yeah, Stuart was a little bit younger than Trent Robinson, but I'm tr- trying to find youngest ever. How old was he, mate, when they won the comp? So he would have been 35. Mate, that's... Or 36. Yeah, Robinson was roughly the same, though. So they were very, they were very similar. Wow. Oh. All right. Have we had enough, boys? Shut up. We're done. <laughs> Matty, how long have we been going for? Hour and a half. Good God. Okay. Thank you for joining us for episode four. Uh, we're going to have episode five where we go through, as we said we do the other day, go through our best number one player to fill 13 roster spots. Uh, so we'll get stuck into that soon. Want to hang around for it? Yeah, I'll come. I'll yeah, come back. In. Okay. He's Matty, how are you looking this over? Uh, let's talk off camera. Okay. Brilliant. <laughs> All right. Thank you for joining us once again, guys. Thanks for coming on, Legend. Appreciate Appreciate it, it, as always, mate. And uh, we'll see you on the next episode. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.